Hello, and welcome to Brayton's Cultural Exchange, the podcast where we speak to people from different cultures, countries, all over the world. If you have anybody that you would like to submit to the show, or if you have a great story yourself, feel free to email us at Exchange at gmail.com. All right, so I got the recording on now. But, so, introduce yourself, what's your name, where you're from, all that. Okay. Oh, all right. Um, my name is Silas Izuchuku Onoha, and um, I am a Nigerian by birth. I'm in, in Nigerian, and um, I have um, uh, my first bachelor's was in uh, foreign languages and um, translation studies, diplomatic studies as well. And um, my second was in international relations, my master's degree, international relations. I've got a couple of qualifications as well. Uh, for example, from the International Business Management Institute in Berlin, Germany, on uh, international uh, business and economics. Uh, I've also been certified um, by a couple of um, international organizations, for example, on that of uh, the Global Compact on Migration. I'm also certified in that as well. Um, yeah, over time I used to be a teacher back then in Nigeria, I would say, and um, I've also been involved in a, in a, in a number of things that involve the youths, um, like especially from the African continent. Uh, for example, trying to get them more involved in issues that have to do with politics and governance. Yeah. Hmm. So that's a lot of really impressive uh a really impressive background that you got there. Yeah, thank you. Um, how do you pronounce your name again? Is it's um, Silas Zuchi? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Silas Zuchi, basically. But the the long form is Izuchuku. It's uh, a native Nigerian name. It's pronounced as Izuchuku. Yeah, but for people that find it difficult to pronounce, I tell them Zuchi, basically. Yeah, but it's a short okay. form of Izuchuku. Yeah, so so for people like me that can't pronounce anything, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the one to go with. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's going to be quite easy for you to pronounce. So with all of those uh, impressive credentials that you have in all of the research and uh, training that you've done, what are your goals and kind of what are you trying to accomplish here? Oh, well... Um, Basically, I would say, first of all, to impact lives as much as I could, you know, to impact people, uh, people around me and uh, people, people that are, I mean, they're not around me, basically. Uh, that's my primary goal in life, uh, which is one of the things that keep me going, um, uh, like uh, trying as much as possible to make sure that uh, people feel the impact in the well, given my academic background and um, qualifications, basically, I would say that uh, over time now I've had the dream of becoming a, uh, a renowned diplomat, um, mm-hmm. given the fact that I'm really interested in the things that happen across the world, uh, especially on the African continent. Um, you know, I actually believe that we, can, we could do more as a people, you know, when it, when it comes to... Uh, developing you know development we could do more as a people um you know when it comes to fighting common enemies that we have for example we've seen the COVID 19 outbreak 
So I just believe that um, in in every little way I can, I can make impact basically, which I believe is basically my goal in life to impact people, to impact lives. Yeah. So for our listeners that are from America, a lot of them aren't very aware of where Nigeria is in Africa. And when you're talking about impacting lives in Africa, they might be thinking Africa is a country. So could you explain a little bit about that? And we can screen share and pull some stuff up online if you if you need some visual aids. But uh, I, I think that's pretty important to give a background of where you're from and kind of what the conditions are like where you grew up. Yeah, I think it's basically the conception, basically, about, I mean, about Africa. When uh, I have been quite opportune to be outside Africa, I would say, and um, when you see people refer to Africa as a country, you know, it makes you ask questions like, why would you call Africa a country? Africa is a, is a continent that is made up of 54 independent sovereign states. 54. Uh, 54 of them, basically, mm. yeah. So, you know, 54 independent, you know, sovereign states. And uh, it's also unfortunate to say that um, to some people that are not Africans, when you ask them, what do you think about Africa? What do you know about Africa? Uh, the first thing that comes to their mind is poverty, you know. Uh, the first thing that comes to their mind is poverty, uh, hunger, you know, um, crises, no wars. Water. No water. That's no, like exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think it's something that has beclouded, you know, that have um, something that has overwhelmed the African continent, I would say. But I think most of these things are not true. Uh, it's just uh, a wrong perception of the continent, I would say. Um, like, I, I, I always say that uh, the lies about Africa have overwhelmed the truth about the continent. Hmm. Uh, there is just a lot that people do not know about the continent. Um, and me, myself, for an individual, for a person, I would say that um, the, the narratives uh, you know, about Africa haven't really been favorable to the continent. Uh, especially, I would say, when it comes to the media... Um, some kind of words they use to describe Africa. We have Africans that are doing very well. You know, we have a lot of things about Africa that people out there do not actually know. And I think it's actually the high time that we need to start talking about all of these, um, like to get pre uh, people properly, you know, informed and educated about Africa. And um, and I would say that. Uh, even the world leaders, even the African leaders, are not, are not helping issues at all. Uh, for example, we've had the U.S.-African summit, business summit, whereby it was between the U.S. and the African continent. And we saw a lot of African, you know, um, head of states, presidents going for the summit, basically. And uh, it now brings to mind, I mean, many, many people who would see this would say, okay, okay, Africa is a country. I mean, to have all the presidents and all of that yeah. you know, coming for the summit. Why not you have something like the U.S.-Nigerian Business Summit? Like, try to, you know, uh, address individual states as they are, you know, not bringing everybody together. And I think more of these, actually, uh, you know, is one of the things that make people think that um, 
Africa is a continent, sorry, is a, is a country. So yeah. uh, I just believe that the media has got a lot to do, especially when it comes to the issue of Africa. You know, we, we, we need to redefine the narratives about uh, the African continent that, haven't, um, that, that hasn't actually been favorable to the continent. So yeah. you said that um, there are many different truths about Africa that people don't know. Could you give a couple yeah. examples of how these misconceptions happen in, in like a common thing that we would think about Africa or that you would hear as a stereotype and then tell us kind of what the difference is and how it is in real life? Yeah. Uh, do you know something? Uh, I think there is one thing they call IFF, illicit financial flows. Uh, it basically has to do with the movement of money from one place to the other through through means that are not really uh, uh, recorded by the government or by the authorities. Yeah, I, I, IFF, illicit financial flows. And I think it's something that is quite pertinent in the African continent, uh, given the fact that maybe some, uh, some of these narratives about Africa that Africa is a continent that has been riddled with uh, lots of crises and all of that. Uh, even it has made people not to even have confidence, you know, to be confident in the continent. Hence, you see them trying as much as possible to move their wealth from the continent to, to other places like the Western world and all of that. So uh, it's also something that is quite unfortunate, I would say. And talking about Africa, um, Africa is a continent, uh, you know, that is blessed. It is richly blessed by, you know, lots of resources, both yeah, human like resources. The most and natural resources of uh, any yeah. continent in the world, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's a continent that is blessed with lots of these. Uh, talking about the copper, the gold, diamond, the oil, and all of that. So it's something that Africa is really blessed with. And um, I, I would also say that it's quite unfortunate that we, we as a people have not really been able to utilize these resources to our own benefit. Um, and also it's unfortunate to say that um, over time, which I think it's something that cuts across different places, um, Africa has not really been having the best of leadership. You know, yeah. African countries and uh, states haven't really been having the best of leadership. Well, know. there's been a We've big problem with uh, corruption, right? A lot of African yeah, countries yeah. have a lot yeah, of corruption. Yeah. And I don't think yeah, that's we'll, a stereotype to say that. It's kind of true to a certain yeah, extent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that is quite inherent in, in human nature, right? Yeah. Uh, some people don't really understand that, uh, that you know, they don't understand... Um, how to go about public governance and, um, you know, politics and leadership, you know. Um, no one, we have had cases about different countries that are not African countries, uh, from Asia, from Europe, whereby leaders are involved in corrupt practices and all of that. So um, Africa is not an exemption, but it's quite unfortunate that we've had, you know, a large number of cases of corruption whereby leaders have mishandled, you know, mishandle these resources that are meant to be for the collective uh, for the for the connected benefit of the people of the masses yeah uh, we've seen yeah people leaders that are using them for their personal gains for their friends for their families you know not really regarding the people you know that they were elected to serve so yeah. it's something that i believe that um 
you know, we as a people need to, because uh, you cannot give what you don't have. You know, just like I told my, my, my friends from the continent, from Africa, you know, you cannot give what you don't have. The leaders we produce, they come from us. Yeah. You know, the society, uh, the people, is the people actually that produce the leaders. They are not God sent. They don't come from the heavens or anywhere. So they come from the followers. They come from the people. So um, we as a people need to actually ask ourselves the questions. I mean, you know, ourselves the questions. What do we really want as a people? Yeah, but I would say over time, Africa as a continent has not really been blessed with the best of leadership. Yeah, it hasn't yeah. been blessed with the best Well, you guys kind of have two things going on because a, a lot of um, places, they call it like the natural resource curse where when a country all of a sudden finds this massive deposit of oil or a massive deposit of natural gas or cobalt or any of these precious metals that are used for batteries, like historically, this has always ended up with a massive economic boom and then a massive economic bust. And it's usually filled with corruption every time that this happens. So it's a really challenging thing to capture this and to use it to where it boosts your entire society forward. You know, that that's a hard thing to walk and it goes against human nature as far as leadership goes because it's so yeah. easy for people to take advantage of that yeah yeah i would always like to use nigeria as a context basically um, like in the 1960s when we had the independence and after that uh, the, in, in the early 60s late 60s we had the oil boom mm -hmm. when oil was discovered in nigeria you know we had the oil boom, it was doing pretty well. Uh, it was, Nigeria was very rich. You know, we had people across Africa coming to the country. You know, we had excess, basically, as a country, you know, with the oil and all of that. So, but you realize that over time, you ask yourself, what's, what impact do we have? You know, have you felt as a people from the oil boom that we had, you know, in the past, the, mm -hmm. all the money that we got from the oil and all of that? And I think the same thing as well is applicable to most African countries, you know, yeah. that are blessed, you know, with these resources. Like when you go to the, to, to Congo, the cobalt, as you talked about, uh, you go to different places. So it's something that I believe that, as I said, it still boils down to the people that are at the helm of, of affairs, the people that are meant to manage these resources. And over time, these people haven't really been managing these resources uh, judiciously you know, for the benefit mm -hmm. of the people. So we had the oil boom. It was doing pretty well. Uh, people, there, we had employment. People were gainfully employed. Things were going pretty well back then. Of course, I wasn't born back then, but from what I read and from what I heard about those um, that period, it was pretty something that um, everyone would actually dream in. I mean, uh, dream of becoming part of. And um, yeah, over time, we had people siphoning the funds, looting the public funds, yeah. the public money, the public wealth. And here it is again. It's as if we are starting again and all of that. And, you know, one thing as well is, um, well, it's just like when you get something, when you, when you get a new thing, uh, you don't really appreciate the old one that you had. Mm -hmm. um, like before that time, we had um, people depending majorly on agriculture yeah africa as a continent was doing very well on, on agriculture 
And that was the major, you know, um, uh, the, the major contributor to the Nigerian GDP back in the years, agriculture, before we discovered the oil, you know, before the oil boom. Uh, but now you ask yourself the question, where is agriculture again on the continent? I, I, like it's missing. And uh, what is happening now in Ukraine and Russia where we've had um, global shortage of supply of some certain you know, materials, like uh, we can talk about the grain and all of that, mm-hmm. but has affected a lot of people. And we see African leaders going to Russia to ask the president and all of that to see if they could release these grains because the people are suffering. Now, it's as if we are going back. You know, if we had continued, basically, because we discovered the oil, we discovered a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. on the continent. Hence, we threw away what was actually uh, going to benefit us as a, you know, as a people as of then and now, you know. And it's really unfortunate, I would say. It's really unfortunate seeing the people that are blessed with arable lands, you know, we have fertile lands in Nigeria, across Africa, that people could work on, farm on, and produce food, you know. Um, but Can because I, of what has happened, yeah. yeah. Um, what steps do you think that you could take as a country moving forward to prevent what has been happening, where people siphon off funds um, and kind of all of that corruption? And then how do you also maintain an agricultural society in your own food production uh, when that's not that that's not as lucrative as oil obviously so people are going to be wanting to leave the agriculture sector and moving into the oil and whatever natural resources there like as a leadership how do you manage that and what steps could you guys take as a country well, uh, well, I think that more needs to be done, especially when you have leaders that have vision, uh, leaders that understand the, the times. So when you, you say know, more, happens. what do you mean by yeah. more? Because like an, an okay. actual step that could be taken to prevent a couple of these things. Because that seems like yeah. the tricky part is it's, it's really easy to say we need to do more. It's really easy to say we need to make this more equal. We need to make it more sustainable. And that's kind of talking points of a lot of political uh, figureheads. But then you yeah. don't see them doing anything about it or any real actionable plans. So I, I think that's like the part that is makes me the most curious and kind of what your opinion is of some steps you could take towards that. Uh, well, I can talk about the, the obvious things that we can do, um, encouraging people to go into agriculture, you know, um, trying to have a proper reorientation of the people, you know, trying to give them an orientation that, okay, with what is happening now, we can actually uh, make a living from agriculture. You know, and um, we need to cut down um, the too much, should I say, um, concentration on oil, I would say. Okay. Uh, because we make it look as if without oil, we cannot survive as a people, right? Now, so how do people... you make the agriculture to where it's lucrative enough to where people exactly. want to like, do it? How, like, how do, what's yeah. the mechanism for that? Yeah, government can give incentives, I would say. Mm-hmm. They could support the people, the local so farmers. So if the government goes to incentivize it, where is that money coming from other than the oil? 
we have other ways by which we can make the money. Okay. We have other things. Like, um, oil is not basically what we depend on. People pay taxes. Right? So, we have every other thing that we can do to generate money for ourselves. So what are the other major ways that they're generating money? From the, from the people, first of all, I talked about the payment of taxes. We have other ways by which, um, for example, um, we can talk about trying as much as possible. Now, there is one thing I would say before I go ahead that um, uh, we have had challenges over time when it comes to foreign direct investments, right? And uh, when foreigners invest in a place or in the continent, we have seen that uh, with what has been happening, right, uh, with, with you know, the issues of, for example, say, banditry, kidnapping and all of that, which mm-hmm. has actually affected uh, the, uh, the level of investment on the continent, I feel that we also need to, because talking about the economy, we still, not, we still need to talk about security, because all of them, they go hand in hand, mm-hmm. right? Talking about economy, security is important, because you cannot actually um, do business successfully in a place that is not secured, right? So I also think that we need to do more as a people to make sure that we have relative peace across the continent. Uh, so you know, security I mean, is the first step. In making it to where it is, uh, what's the word? Stable. Like stability and faith in the fact that it will stay stable is ground one. Like that that's your first step for building an economy, right? Yeah, it's its important. It's one of them, actually. It's one mm-hmm. of them. Because, I'm, okay, I, okay, I'm going to say this now. Um, like in Nigeria, for example, we have had issues where we had clash or clashes between um, herdsmen and farmers, mm-hmm. right? The herdsmen and farmers, and we have seen issues whereby uh, people were 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 you know injured. They got into a fight, and we saw people's uh, farmlands being destroyed, and all of that. Uh, all of these are challenges. Basically, we are talking about how to help agriculture come back right and agriculture cannot come back in a place or to a place where we have some of these things happening the clash between the farmers and the herdsmen mm-hmm. all right so we need to do like when i talked about doing more this is part of it basically right we need to try as much as possible to make sure that first of all we address the issue of these clashes that happen, the crises, maybe the yeah, the issues like the the farmer head, uh, the farmer headsman crime clash. Mm-hmm. We need to try as much as possible to, to to address that so that people wouldn't be scared of going back to the farmland, right? So it's and that, also, that human connection, like that interpersonal, you know, between those those factions of people. And you're saying the herders and the farmers, right? So the herdsmen, yeah, yeah. the ones that are like grazing yeah. animals, I assume. Yeah, grazing animals. Yeah, the yeah. cows and the cows and all of them. So you see, sometimes they have a clash. Basically, you see walking through a farm, and maybe the farmer says, "Oh, you are, you are trespassing or something. That's mm-hmm. my farmland. Why would you allow your your cows to eat up my crops?" Yeah, basically. if so cows are eating my crops, I'm gonna be pissed. For sure. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, (laughs) so, but over time, the government has been trying to solve this issue. They have brought a lot of 
things to help to solve it. But I think uh, there have not actually been an absolute solution to that issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some, like, like this is uh, specifically to Nigeria now, where some governments, uh, some governors have tried as much as possible to stop the open grazing. You know, yeah. the open grazing, yeah, stop it, try to build ranches. So they're doing more of nomadic style farming where they don't own the land that these animals are on. They're just kind of letting them roam and following the herd. It's it's called the tragedy of the commons. The tragedy of the what? Of the commons. It's an economic principle. Okay. Tragedy of the commons. I've never heard of that. Can you pull something up on that? Tragedy of the commons. So what does this say? In economic and ecological context, the tragedy of the commons is a situation in which the individual users who have open access to a resource, unhampered by shared social structures of formal rules. So the formal rules in this case would be the ownership of property. So there's no formal rules as far as that, but you guys are transitioning as a society to where you want those formal rules and you need ownership of land in order to do agricultural farming practices like raising crops. But at the same time, you still have nomadic farmers that feel like they're entitled to be able to have their herds go wherever they please, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem that dates back to history a long time ago. Um, I would say, and uh, I think it's more of uh, uh, a cultural thing, especially when it comes to, because, for example, the herders basically are the Fulani people, right? It's a tribe called Fulani. That's basically, they are predominantly um, herdsmen. Right? A tribe called what? Uh, Fulani. Fulani, it's the name of the tribe. Basically. Fulani. Fulani, yeah. yeah. Fulani. But, yeah, they are the people, I would say, that are predominantly herdsmen. And um, uh, basically, in, the, in Nigeria, the lands are owned by the government. You know, yeah. the, gov- the government, the state governors, basically, the state government um, are the people, I mean, are the ones that are basically in charge of lands and, and all of that. Though we have some specific lands, I would say, that are basically uh, under the control of the federal government. You know, especially when, especially when it comes to those axes that has to do with interstate connections and all of that, you know, they are basically under the control of the federal government. Yeah, that is so why the, the state. Yeah, a lot of your land is owned by the government. Yeah, basically all of them. They are they are under the control of the government. Hmm. Right, the government basically is in charge of the lands. But yeah, so uh, that is why the state governments basically are coming up with the idea of saying okay we don't want um because it's basically under the control now of the federal of the state governments not the federal government so we are basically going to be saying okay no more open grazing we would like to give you a place where we, you would go for your ranching and all of that yeah so so that's the polani people here yeah that's um the Fulani. They are pre- predominantly um, herders. Um, it dates back to history a um, long time ago, I would say. I'm not mm-hmm. quite adept about that history, I would say, you know, about the Fulani tribe. Um, but it's one of the major tribes in Nigeria. We have the Hausa Fulani, we have the Igbo tribe, and we have the Yoruba tribe, and we have other tribes as well. You know, How many tribes do you have? Do you have uh, we, to know we, off the top of your We head? have o- over 200 of them in Nigeria. 200 yeah over 200 
Yeah. And is every single one of those tribes speaking a different language? Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's, that, that forms the diversity and the uniqueness of Nigeria and Africa so as a whole. That's a really difficult thing to do is to unite a group of people that speak 400 different languages or whatever. <laughs> you know, that, like getting all of those people on board to feel yeah. like to feel like they are Nigerian rather than Pulani or rather yeah. than any of these other tribes. Like that's a difficult social thing to accomplish. Yeah, it's really difficult out there. It's very difficult, you know, you know, being a Nigerian, I've lived there, so I know but it it's really difficult. And it's we have over five hundred languages in Nigeria, you know. so um, wow. it's, it's difficult, I would say, uh, because you've got people with different backgrounds, you know, mm-hmm. religion, you know, um, ethnicity and all of that, you know, having all of them in one place and you say, OK, all of you should be here and you should have a country. Um, well, despite all of these, I think Nigeria is doing wonderfully well in trying mm-hmm. to manage the people, manage her people. Uh, because it's something that is quite difficult. Uh, I've been in a place whereby we have just a few, few people with different backgrounds and we always have chaos, basically. And yeah, But so far, though sometimes we have our shortcomings, right? Um, we have had a civil war from 1967 to 1970. Uh, we had some, you know, a group of people, the Igbo tribe, wanted to secede, you know. They had basically a de facto state in Nigeria, the Biafra. Really? Biafra. And how long and ago have... was this, where they had a de facto state? <laughs> yeah, that's been a long time ago. That was from 1967 <clears throat> to 1970. And that's actually my tribe. Yeah, I'm the Igbo tribe. I'm from the Igbo That's tribe. your tribe. Yeah, that's my tribe from the southeast of Nigeria. So they had the war then, you know, they had lots of poli- political issues and all of that. So the Igbo people said, okay, they wanted to succeed because of, uh, they felt that they were not really being uh, treated fairly, I would say. So which led to the civil war and a lot of people were killed in that war. But 1970, um, they they had to, you know, come together again and said, let's join the, let's join the, the Nigerian state again, and they formed the, the country again, Nigeria. Yeah. So that's so, what caused the civil war, is actually when your tribe wanted to uh, basically create their own state. Is that right? Um, yeah, they already created the state. They had the Biafra They already state. had a de facto state. Yeah, yeah, not they wanted. They already had a de facto state, basically. And it was running, it was functioning. They had, they had institutions. Right, they had their schools, their banks, they had their currency, the flag, the anthem. Really? So it was already an established state, I would say. Yeah, but, you know, um, that led to the war and Nigeria felt like, no, we should stay together as a people and all of that. So they fought the war from that time to, from 67 uh, to 70. And um, yeah, they are back again together. So these are some of the issues you would see, um, especially in a multi-diversified society. You know, some people sometimes would feel aggrieved that they're not really being treated fairly and all of that, managing the resources and all of that. So, but understanding that there is no society today that is devoid of divisions, 
right? Uh, there is no society today that is immune to divisions. You know, it's something that cuts across different societies. It could be yeah. on, polit- on political background, on religious background. But right. for some um, countries, it's a little bit harder than others. And I think African countries, they have some of the hardest obstacles to overcome. Um, because I know for America, like we have different cultures in different states, but it's nothing compared to what you have in Nigeria. But for example, if you go to Texas, they act and feel very Texan, maybe even more than they feel American. But most states, everyone talks about the same. Everybody can relate with each other. We all speak the same language across the whole country. But you have how many different languages? Over 500 of them. Over 500. So you have over 500 languages, 200 something tribes. Yeah. I mean, that is over 200 tribes. Yeah. And many of these people feel like they are a member of their tribe, not a Nigerian, I'm guessing. Is that yeah, ex- yeah, no, no. yeah it's, it, it happens. We have seen people that say, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's something that is quite common. People say that a lot. The, uh, the one in the top left. See what that image does. Hold on one second. He found a cool little map. Okay. Can I open this? Uh, Open. Here, check out this. So, we got a cool little map here. Yeah. Of Nigeria with all your different tribes. Yeah. So a lot of people uh, probably feel like they are a, uh, what is that? Is that a tribe? Yoruba? Or is that a Yoruba. region? Yoruba is found in the southwest. Of my yeah. yeah. Okay. So your tribe, uh, where you're from, which Ibu one's that? Tribe. Ibu the tribe. The Ibu Southeast. tribe. Yeah. Look, at, it's down there, close to Port Harcourt, Aba, Onicha. Down there, the, in the south. The Igbo, here in the middle? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That's Igbo, yeah. That is it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of cultural diversity. And this is in a country that is, what's this the equivalent size to? Maybe like um, France or Ohio or what? What what yeah, size is Nigeria? Yeah, I think it should be quite bigger than France. I would say I'm it's bigger sure than France. That. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, sure Africa is that, huge, and yeah, I think people don't realize that Africa is the largest continent. You know, it's it's huge, massive. If you yeah, cover the United States with it, it is yeah. really big, and every single country has a map that looks similar to this where they have hundreds of tribes exactly so exactly. it has more diversity than the rest of the world combined yeah yeah and neil degrasse tyson uh, you probably know who he is pretty famous but he was talking about africa and he said there's more genetic diversity in the african continent than there is in the rest of the world combined because that's where people came from originally yeah. And he said, you, you can go to Ethiopia and you'll probably have the fastest person and the slowest person because their genetic differences are so much greater than what we have in the rest of the world. Sure. Sure, that's which, true, I would say. Which is incredible. And then it makes yeah. sense as well with the, your languages, your cultures, and um, the way that people look at things. Yeah. Uniting this into a, sort of a modern style of country almost feels like it has to be done in sort of new 
ways that people haven't tried before because i mean nobody's really had to overcome those same obstacles the the way that africa has and they have a really good opportunity because if you look at the united states the reason that we became so successful is because of all of our diversity in all of our different viewpoints in all of our different people groups and it's people from all over the world so we've seen like this has happened before and it's worked successfully yeah so it feels to me like africa's in a great position like if they can manage to pull this off or nigeria or any country in africa really if it has the natural resources for it and they can somehow convince the people to make a yeah. united a united state and feel like they're more nigerian than they are their tribe then you guys have an amazing position to be in for the world economy yeah of course of course and i think we are actually heading there because we are having this new crop of leaders that are coming up now. Like we are basically trying to move from the old order, like from what we from what we had the traditional old politicians that were there, you know. And now we are having basically a new crop of leaders that are coming up that basically understand, you know, what it means to you know have uh, to to have the spirit of patriotism and all of that. I would say that basically understand the need for people to make sure that other people live, you know, comfortable, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, they have had some sort of exposure, basically. And uh, coming back to the African continent, uh, as I told you, I have been opportunity to convene a, a forum for African youths, for, for young people across Africa. And I was quite thrilled having, you know, that population of people coming for my, for, for my forum and talking about the African continent and with passion, you know, with innovative ideas, basically, uh, solutions yeah. on how to tackle Can you issue. talk a little bit more about that forum for African youth that you convened? Because uh, I think that's really interesting. And it's yeah. cool that you set that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was November, November last year. It's called the Africa We Need Initiative. The Africa We Need Initiative. That's the, the name. The Africa yeah. We Need Initiative. Yeah, the Africa We Need Initiative. Uh, under the Greater Africa Initiative, basically. Uh, we tried to bring together people from African continent. Uh, they came from different places, from Asia, from Europe, from America, and online. And we talked about the things that affect Africa, from politics to governance to economy to health to wars in Africa. You know, we tried to bring up young people from Africa as well, you know, to talk about these things. Then we had questions and answers, tried to enlighten ourselves the more about the things that are happening, you know, in Africa. And I think it's something that we, we really need to do as a people, coming together, having that pan-Africanism, you know, you know, which I believe that uh, in the near future, I think Africa is going to be a continent to reckon with by the rest of the other continents, I would say. And given um, the fact that... Um, can I ask a question? Yeah. Do you think that it's more important... Um, for countries to develop sort of uh i don't want to say like a, a nationalism but they need some sort of patriotism towards their state rather than towards their tribes in order to be successful right is that more important to do on a country basis or is it more important to get africa as a continent united because those one seems way more difficult than the other 
you know looking at the scope of it this is big there there's so many different tribes when you combine all these countries together um how does that feel coming from your perspective yeah i agree with that it should be towards the states rather than the tribes mm-hmm. because i think the state supersedes the tribes i would say uh, like in the outside world, uh, no one is going to ask me if I'm from Imo State in Nigeria or if yeah. I'm Igbo. So they will basically look at me as a Nigerian, first of all, before any other thing. So I think patriotism, first of all, should be driven towards the state. Mm-hmm. It should be driven towards the state and not towards maybe and after you the think, state. Yeah. You think this has been successful so far? That it hasn't young people been. are feeling more, you know, Nigerian instead of their tribes yeah it hasn't been successful i would say um it hasn't been i would say i used to have a friend of mine and um you know i think we have some sort of stereotype basically you know towards Mm -hmm. the african people from some part of the world i would say um like um when they see you you are in nigeria and know and they say okay nigeria i think nigeria is uh like for example okay i'm i'm, I'm gonna say this now i met one girl online um, she's from the european one of the european countries and um, uh she's my friend basically but the very first day that we met she said where are you from i told her nigeria um she said oh nigeria and the second question she, uh, she asked me was uh, i hope you are not iskama that was what she she said. hopes you're not what she hopes that I am not a scammer. I don't scam people. I don't scam. Oh, a scammer people. like a Nigerian yeah. prince. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Why? Why is that such a stereotype for Nigeria? Yeah. Like Nigerian <laughs> princes. Why? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think uh, it, I was I was a bit disappointed by that question. I hope you don't scam people. Um, because uh, <laughs> I haven't scammed anyone before in my life. And having that question come from you, you know, I was a bit, okay. I said, I, well, I told her that, um, first of all, I'm not a scammer. Yes, I'm a Nigerian and I'm proud of it. And do you know something? These type of stereotypes, I mean, have made some people not to even uh, to be confident of the continent or the country, I would say. Okay. I've had a friend of mine, uh, we went somewhere, and uh, we had someone um, from Tukie, uh, he asked us where we come from, and my friend said to the man that he comes from Senegal. Because he didn't Niger- want to be Nigerian, yeah, yeah, because he yeah, thought he yeah. was a scammer. Yeah, he said he's wow. Nigerian, uh, sorry, he said he's from Senegal, but he's from Nigeria. I was, I was, I was shocked, right? Yeah, that's I crazy. Was- <laughs> Oh, so I think that is one of... But my friend is someone that does something quite legit, Lego work. He does yeah. his work and he earns his money. He doesn't have anything. But he wanted, basically, to have some sort of relationship with that man. That was mm-hmm. why he said he comes from Senegal. So uh, it's, I think it's one of the disadvantages of um, such, you know... Um, having stereotypes towards people, I would say, you know. So it made him to say that, and I think it's he's not just the only one. We have hundreds of Nigerians out there who would always say to you that, okay, I'm not a Nigerian, I'm from this place or any, or any place. For example, I speak French, right? Um, mm-hmm. I speak French, and I think if you ask me, like, I think I was actually in the best position to, to, to say to that man that I'm from Senegal, given the fact that Senegal is a Francophone country. 
And then if he wants proof, I should say, I should speak French to the man. Then he's going to be convinced that, oh, okay, you speak French. That means probably you're from Senegal. You see, mm-hmm. but I still say that I'm from Nigeria. So I think it's one of the disadvantages of, um, you know, having some sort of stereotypical mindset towards So people. where do you think that stereotype comes from? Because obviously there were scammers. If not, there probably wouldn't be this stereotype of the Nigerian <laughs> prince emailing your grandma and saying, you know, that that's what it is. I mean, it's a real thing. And it really happens to a lot of Americans. They Their grandma gets some email from a Nigerian prince and uh, he needs her to send some money. And he, he's going to pay her back, you know. She puts her life savings in there and then grandma ain't got no money anymore. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think. Uh, well, I wouldn't dispute that fact. Yeah, it's. But it, is that common anymore? Or it, no, know? it's 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 not. I'm not actually sure about that. But yeah. I think it's not common. You know. Um, yeah, we have it. We, we <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did you hear that? I, I didn't quite get that, but I think he was talking about ignorance and country. Yeah, say it again. Go ahead. Do, do you think that the scammers used Nigeria as a country and used that, that ploy because of the world's ignorance to your country? So you're saying the the scammers are probably not Nigerian? Yeah, I'm saying so, they're, like, using, they're playing on your ignorance. Yeah, because nobody knows if there's a prince. Yeah, well, I think, uh, uh, first of all, Nigeria is not the only country where we have scammers, I would say. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 100%. We have, we have countries that are renowned in scamming. Like we, uh, of course, I can't say the names, basically, but we know of countries that they mm-hmm. are known for scamming people. You know, they do some sort, all sort of things that are illegal you know, towards you know, making yeah, money. For, for example, like, uh, I think Somalia has a really bad <laughs> reputation for it, right? <laughs> And uh, yeah, pirates and stuff. Yeah, not. I'm not basically talking about African countries. I'm talking about Western countries. Yeah, there's tons of Western <laughs> countries that have scammers exactly. as well. It just seems exactly. to be. It's a little bit easier to do it when you have a broken state. Um, yeah. Because you know, in America, you start scamming people. The FBI is coming in. They're gonna take care of it. You know, but it unless you're really really smart. But in a lot of broken state countries, there's not great law enforcement. So illicit ways of making money become more and more common the less enforcement of law that you have. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I would also add to that, you know, what you just said now. Uh, the media also is important. Yeah. Uh, it, it's important, you know, I mean, you try to control what leaves your country. Mm-hmm. You try, so when you control the kind of information that leaves your country, that means you are also controlling the way people would see you. Which I don't think a lot of people know this, but the United States has a TV service that they provide to the rest of the world except for us which a lot of Americans aren't even aware of this. I, I forget what the organization's called, but you've probably seen it, I imagine. 
Well, how mm-hmm. many of the things that happen in the United States actually go through these channels, I would say? What's I mean, that? How many of them? How many of the things that happen? How many things that happen? Like, the things that happen in the United States, how many of them actually go through these channels? You're talking about the media now you're talking about. Oh, n- nothing negative. They're very positive about our country. Everything is positive, exactly. Yeah. That is it. So I think uh, it's, it is what it is, for example. When you go to other countries, actually, that we know that they are profound in scamming. You mm-hmm. don't tend to hear anything from these countries. Information to these countries are limited. is limited, I would say. Yeah. We don't know much about it. But Nigeria is a country where, oh, we are too open to the world, right? Um, you know, anyone has access to Nigeria. Well, I don't and think openness is Nigeria, a bad thing. No, it's not, it's not a bad thing, basically. Nigeria is the most populated African country. Really? It's so most it's the populated. most populated? Yeah, it's the most populated black nation in the world. It's number six in the world. Wow. So number six is population or number six black country? In the world as a whole. Okay. Yeah. We've got the that, US, we've got China, we've got India, we've got, I think, Bangladesh or so, uh, Pakistan or so, then Nigeria. I'm not quite sure, but Nigeria is number six. And you guys are winning Africa by like a large... Here, can you put that on the thing? Screen share it. Um, but you guys are winning by quite a large portion for the population of African countries. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like we are the big man. So all eyes are on us, basically. Right? Yeah. I mean, look at this. What, what's yeah. that population? Is that in millions? That was 2020. That's in 2020. Yeah. But that's, yeah. what, 206 million people. Is that right? Yeah. So exactly. we're 300 million in America <laughs> or thereabouts. Yeah. So that's a massive population of people. It's a massive population. I mean, you're population. talking... That's a large. I mean, a lot of European countries are smaller than Nigeria. As exactly. Far as population. <laughs> a lot so of them. The global importance of Nigeria is a lot more than what most people would realize, especially with the population they have. Yeah. It could be an incredibly important country in the future. Sure, sure. Which it's an important country now. Yeah, of course it is. It is. It's a regional power. From West Africa to Africa at large, it's a regional power. Like, every country wants to... uh, You guys are kind of like the Germany... uh, uh, of Africa, you know, yeah. Germany like, makes a lot of the big plays in Europe because they have a yeah. large population and they have a large economy. I would yeah. assume your economy is probably the biggest in Africa as well, right? It's the it's it is not assuming like it is the biggest economy in Africa. Yeah, you got South Africa, which is slightly lower, but South Africa yeah. has been very westernized compared to most it, African countries. Would you exactly, agree? exactly. I do, which is a I big advantage agree. for them. Yeah. However, sure. they have their own issues you know (laughs) (laughs) they have got their issues basically so yeah yeah. so now you know nigeria is like the big man there all eyes are on the big man basically you know anything that happens people think that okay i have seen cases whereby someone from a different country does something and the next thing people will say is oh he's a nigerian but he's not a nigerian born in nigeria so but that's a lot that's most of the people in africa right I mean, people call some people Nigerians, but they're not Nigerians. Okay. You get so it, why like, is there this negative stigma around Nigeria? Where does that come from? Like, like Nigerians, 
Nigerians are everywhere. Now, mm-hmm. do you know, I was, I was reading one report like that, and I think uh, I forgot the name, but we can try to find out, uh, find out more about it. The most hated country in the world is the U.S. This is the U.S. That makes sense. Yeah. The U.S. is the most hated. Like, it has the highest number of haters in the world. People hate the U.S. Yeah. And it's normal. It's a normal thing, basically. Once you do well, once you are, let's say, you're doing quite well and mm-hmm. uh, you, you, know, you, you are quite significant, right? Yeah. It tends to attract eyes on you. And the more it attracts eyes on you, the more it attracts hatred towards you. Yeah. And like if you said the most hated person in the world... It's not going to be some nobody that's not doing anything with their lives. It's going to be exactly. someone who did something, someone who did something, at least somewhat successfully, to get famous. You know, exactly. It's going to be a celebrity who accomplished more than ninety-nine percent of people could ever dream of, and that's the one that everyone hates. Which that is it. That's what they're doing with uh, Nigeria. It seems like like no, a, a no, lot of people yeah. love to hate it because it's the most successful african country even though it's not even the most westernized one it's not it's not yeah but they are doing quite well so i think that could be what is applicable to the african case i'm sorry to the nigerian case you know and i think it's a normal thing right i don't say it's abnormal it's normal but i think now it boils down to us as a people what are we actually doing towards trying to redefine some of these narratives about africa and i think it's not fair when you have some sort of stigma towards the people and i think uh, it's called uh, this reasoning in philosophy inductive reasoning and deductive reasoning i think it's inductive oh, yeah. basically where because you have an experience with someone so because of that you now say oh all the people from this place are the same yeah. I, I don't think it's fair. Like, I did something with you. My name is Zuchi, right? And yeah. if you want to address me, you have to address me as Zuchi and not like, oh, that is the way Nigerians are or, oh, that is the way um, um, Africans are. Because we have, we are different, basically. Right? Yeah. We are different, basically. We are, we are not the same. So people should be addressed on an individual level and not because... Okay, Africa. So that is the way all of them are. Because we have wonderful Africans. We have wonderful Nigerians doing good things, right? Trying to build a name for themselves and for their families, for the, you know, their country, for the world at large, I would say. For example, we can talk about the likes of um, the current DG of WTO, World Trade Organization. She comes from Nigeria, my tribe to be specific. So we have people like that, basically. So you wouldn't because, oh, okay, now you meet Ngozio Konjiwala and you say, oh, she's, she, uh, she's a Nigerian. That means she's a scammer. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we're running out of time here, um, but we talked about the brain drain a little bit. And that was one of the big worries that you had about the Nigerian future. And we talked about um nurses how you guys produce the most medical employees i forget what the statistic that you pulled up was but i guess a lot of your nurses like people are becoming medical professionals and they're leaving the country yeah <clears throat> it's it's sad it's unfortunate it's sad and unfortunate too um, that we've got wonderful brains living the continent, and which in the long run is going to affect the continent, um, Nigeria to be specific, uh, and across other um, African countries. 
uh, we've seen the likes of Saudi Arabia coming to Nigeria to recruit health workers, doctors, nurses, right? We've mm-hmm. seen the, the the one in the UK, the the uh, the NHS scheme and the NH scheme or something. NHS. Yeah, NHS. Yeah. So uh, the ones they do and people as well go to that. So it's something that really cuts across, uh, not just about the medical field. Uh, it's other in you know, other fields like uh, we have the construction workers, you know, mm-hmm. basically the manpower, you know, the human resources. We have got people leaving the continent to you know to other countries uh, to do to do all of these. And you now ask the question: What becomes of the younger people, the younger generation that are coming up? Who's going to put them through? Who's going to lead them? You know, towards you know becoming better people. You know, greater people. I would say. Uh, it's something that gives me concern and worry. And uh, as I said, um, we hope that we get the right leadership that would help in addressing some of the issues that affect us as a people and try to solve them, I would say. Um, what government uh, format do you guys have? Is it, I'm going to assume it's democracy? Of course, it's democracy. We, we have our election next year, February. Election yeah. in Nigeria, yeah. So why are there so many princes? <laughs> 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 are, can I ask one thing? Are there any okay. real Nigerian princes? Um. Yeah. Of course. There are real Nigerian princes, and yeah. they are princes of their tribes. Is that right? Yeah. Like we have the kings. With, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. So yeah, there's a king the of a tribe. Of course. Like we have Ooh. kings and queens and all of that. Yeah. We have the monarchical system in some places in some regions. Um, like uh, the uh, there's one the, the Oba of Benin, the Obi of Furniture. You know, these are renowned, pronounced like renowned kings and um okay. you know, with respect and uh, yeah, a lot of honor towards them in the, you know in the country and, uh, and and across the continent. So we do have real a lot of them from the north, yeah. east and south, yeah. Well that makes it even more complicated when you have um certain areas that are doing monarchies <laughs> You got all these tribes, and then you have a democracy on top of that, and then the tribes have some power over their uh, their tribe members, but some of them probably have a lot of power over their tribe members, and they feel like that's more their real government, probably. Yeah, but still, the government supersedes all of them. Yeah, the government, the government does supersede all of them, but yeah. sometimes. People don't really like to believe that, which is an yeah, issue. Yeah, most if they don't have faith people, in the government, that's a really difficult uphill battle. Yeah. yeah, most times people even listen to these kings more than the government. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that makes it very <laughs> difficult. Well, yeah. Zylus Zucci, it was yeah. great having you on. Um, do you have any social media, any websites that you want us to give out? That way people could go and look up more about your cause, kind of what you're doing, the Forum for African Youths, uh, social media you want to promote? Yeah, basically, uh, I've quite, I mean, I'm on different accounts, I would say social media platforms, like uh, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn as well. And um, there I also post some things I do um, with regards to trying to get the people more enlightened and informed, I would say, about uh, what to do to promote the African continent. Um, Yeah. It's still with the same name, I would say, Silas Zuchi Onoha. So, I mean, I, anyone can look me up there and as well see some of them, I would say. 
all right awesome well we appreciate having you on and i learned a lot about africa i learned a lot about nigeria and i never expected a lot of this stuff to be honest (laughs) yeah there's still more i would say so (laughs) yeah i I feel like i could talk to you for two hours or three hours and still be interested in learning about like how nigerian politics work and especially about these tribes man i mean it's so interesting in, yeah, in the is. fact that there are princes and are kings, but they're just within their own tribes, and that's yeah. all within a democracy. Like it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around when you come yeah. from a Western country. Yeah. I, I think for thing, most Europeans, they probably don't get it. Yeah, one thing I would like to add before the time runs out is because uh, is this Africa is poorly represented in the world. Is what? Uh, for example, it's poorly re- uh, represented in the world. Like, the mm-hmm. African re- uh, representation in the world is poor. Yeah. Right? For example, you can talk about the UN Security Council. The, the UN United Nations Security Council. Uh, security countries. I mean, um, Security Council. We have mm-hmm. just five of them. Right? And we have yeah. the European Union. And we have a continent with over one billion people. Yet, there is no one person, no country that is part of the UNSC. Hmm. Well, Nigeria would be a great first start. Uh, yeah, I mean, we need to bring them to the table of yeah. policy making. They need to be involved. So with You that, have we to can be have... involved. You have, uh, what is that, a seventh of the world population yeah, living sixth. in your continent? Sixth. sixth. And none of the African countries with over one billion people in Africa, none of them is part of the UN Security Council. That seems like an issue. That seems like a real it's, big it's, issue. It's, it's a big issue. So I think we should talk more of these. We need to have proper representation of African continent on the global stage. We need to be part of the, uh, of the decision making so that we can actually feel among. Let's see if some of these narratives about Africa could start changing, I would say. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think just getting that word out there is super important. And I think you're yeah. doing a great thing by doing this. Zuchi for president. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the president of Nigeria, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think you I, can I, do I, it, man. Sure, sure. It's possible I can. Someday. Yeah, someday. We, hope so. yeah, we are working towards that. Yeah. Well, I hope you do it, man. We only got like a minute left, but... Uh, I hope it all works out great. You guys could find him. Just look up his name from the name in this episode on social media and you'll be able to find him. Uh, I hope to talk to you on here again someday, actually. Yeah. Because I really enjoyed this conversation and I think we could dig deeper and it'd be pretty awesome. Exactly. So I, I appreciate talking to you and the call now, but it's ladies and gentlemen, Sadly Suchi. Thank you. See ya.